Herbal Essences is on a mission to bring the positive power of plants to keep hair beautiful and healthy with products you'll love using. These products are not only free from sulfates, parabens, and dyes, and certified PETA cruelty-free, but they are also full of naturally derived ingredients for healthier, moisturized hair. We all know that winter can leave our hair feeling super dry. Herbal Essences' potent aloe and hemp shampoo and conditioner and argan oil and aloe hair mist work together to hydrate and moisturize hair for fantastic frizz control. Not to mention, Herbal Essence's sustainably harvest potent aloe is uniquely certified by the plant experts at the Royal Botanic Gardens, and it provides extra moisture for your hair. Look for the Herbal Essence's potent aloe collections green bottles at food and drugstores or mass retailers near you, or you can visit herbalessences.com to learn more. Hi, I'm Alex L., and I write books for a living. The Hey Girl podcast was created with sisterhood and storytelling in mind. Hey girl. Hey girl. Hey girl. Hey girl. (laughs) I'll be sitting down with some phenomenal women to discuss love. I believe we grew distant out of love of some type. Like, I don't want to hurt you. Loss. Really don't know what's going to trigger that feeling of grief in any moment. And a topic very important to my work, self-care. I'm holding on to this self-care with every ounce of me. (laughs) Join us as we journey through sharing together. This week's guest is one of my dearest friends. A lot of you may know her as Yoga Rachel, but she, to me, is Rachel. (laughs) And she's absolutely wonderful, and I am honored to have her as our season finale guest. Rachel is a yoga teacher, originally from California, now located in New York City. It's been wonderful watching her bloom through this journey and find her footing in teaching, specifically as a woman of color yoga instructor. Once I am in the front of the class and I'm teaching, I resonate with them, period. Mm -hmm. Probably more powerful than what I say. The fact that I look like you and I'm standing in front of you. Rachel moved from California to New York City on a whim. But it's extremely inspiring because so many people are afraid to get up and go. And Rachel was one of those people, but she decided to do it anyway. And she hasn't looked back. I mean, that was a huge leap, but the thing that was on the forefront of my mind is if I can connect with 30 people, then I'll be okay, you know? I picked Rachel for the season finale because we have great chemistry. I want three self-care tips that you can give to our listeners. Three self-care tips. They have to be good. This is the season finale, okay? So it has to be good. (laughs) I think her story is extremely important. It's one that is raw and real and relatable. This is Rachel's story. Hey girl. Rachel, it's so good to have you on the show. What's up? Thank you for having me. Um, I'm so excited to be on the show. I I can't wait to dive into our conversation today. Um, I'm not sure if you know this, but this is our season finale episode. I'm thrilled that we'll be wrapping up the show with our conversation. So for those listeners who may not know who you are, please give us a little background about that and and what you do. Oh gosh, the pressure. Okay. Um, Hi, everybody. I'm Rachel. I am a yoga teacher. I love yoga. I I love it so much. I've been doing it for about five years now. About a year ago, I packed up and moved to New York, where I wanted to just be full-time yoga teacher, yoga everything. And in a huge nutshell, to keep it short, I mean, I moved here to teach, but 
I totally realized a lot more of the gifts that I have. So this move was more than definitely more than just yoga. Yeah. And I'm just like on this journey, just trying to figure out life while being an entrepreneur and a young black woman and just, yeah, just figuring everything out that that is who I am. Yes. And I'm your friend. (laughs) And Rachel is my friend. So it's really been wonderful, you know, to know you personally and just see your shift and your evolution through not only your career, but just your your life. So thank you to give a little bit of background. You were in the military before you started yoga. So I want to touch on your shift from the military life to being an entrepreneur and what really caused you to dive in to building your yoga practice and then teaching. I was in, well, actually, technically, I still am in the military. My contract doesn't until 2019. Got it. Okay. okay. <laughs> but, um, but, but what made me transition to go into be- being inactive, which is what I am, why I can just, you know, kind of do whatever. Mm-hmm. It was just because like, with, just deep down inside of me, I've always, I've always just been an entrepreneur. I didn't, I, but I didn't realize it until I was in the military, until, I, you know, I was being told what to do every single day of every single moment blah, blah, blah. And I was like, wow, I cannot stand this. And until it got to the point where it was just like, I I definitely was just in a depression. Like I was sad to wake up to have to go to work. And Mm -hmm. every time I would get off work, I wasn't even like excited that I was getting off. I was just sad that I had to get up and do it again the next day. It was really bad. Like, and that was just like a day after day after day thing and that, and then I'm a great hard worker, but when I'm completely uninterested in something, I mean, my work ethic was horrible. Like, I mean, horrible. And I, and I felt like, okay, I'm ruining my reputation at this point. So Mm. I knew it was time to go. Thankfully, you know, social Instagram really to be more specific became a thing while I'm in the military being tortured. So I started kind of like diverting my attention there. I, via Instagram, I found this girl named Irene, who is how I got introduced to yoga. So yoga, you know, just having that little time to practice after work, before work became like my little saving grace. So eventually, you know, the snowball started to roll. And I was like, you know what, I really like this. I want to do this. I'm an entrepreneur, like I can teach people and I love doing this. So I will finally have a job that I love to do. And so eventually, um, after a bunch of drama at work, I finally was just like, you know what, I can't do this. Thankfully, I had a great set of superior officers who are also military men, but also entrepreneurs and creatives. Mm -hmm. And they knew that I there was no way that I could really bloom in that toxic environment. And so they did everything they could to get, you know, the right paperwork in the right hands without any repercussions on me so that I could, um, you know, separate quote unquote. And then four months later, I moved to New York and I've been here ever since. What was the question? How did I, what were we talking no. about? Oh, military. Yeah. Um, <laughs> sorry. No, you, you're, you're answering it. The, okay, you're sorry. answering it. And these conversations are literally just that. So it doesn't even have to be any rhyme or reason. Just Okay. (laughs) Yeah. Um, but yeah, in the military, it definitely, I actually in the military, I didn't realize how entrepreneurship had been ingrained in me since forever until I sat and like thought about it. Like when I was two years old, my mom started an in-home daycare. So Mm. she's always basically always been a business owner. Yeah. And my dad, even though he worked, he was also in the military, he's in the army, transitioned from the army to work at Boeing, McDonnell Douglas. So he worked on aircrafts, helicopters, airplanes and stuff. Even while he did that, he transitioned into owning his own real estate. So having, you know, you're creating my own business has always been 
very much so right in my face, even though my parents didn't like shove it down my throat, you know? Right, right. No, so absolutely. Think, yeah, they, they totally led by example in that. They ne- but they never told me like, r- you know, get your own business. They never pushed, they never pushed me in any direction, but they totally showed me the direction that I'm ultimately going in. So I'm super thankful for that. But yeah, so the military was ultimately like my last like red flag, like I cannot do this anymore. I need to work for myself. And that, and the military is after having like, I probably had like 10 jobs. <laughs> I would literally go get jobs. <laughs> like, okay, I need money. So right. I'm gonna go to Walgreens and I'm gonna apply. I'm so, you know, I'd be like all cute and all nice. They would hire me, be so excited for me to work. <laughs> and then maybe like two weeks later, I would quit because yeah. I'm like, I can't do this. I can't do it. Right. So, okay. So let's, do it. so let's talk about that. Like trying to find yeah. your passion and how hard that is because you know, you're not the only one with that story. I'm not the only one with that story. Just trying to figure it out and trying to find our footing and our happiness, you know, and not just doing things for a paycheck. How did the passion for yoga transform from a personal practice that you learned via Irene on Instagram to, okay, yeah, I can see myself teaching a class to this is what I'm going to do. And this is why I love doing it. That kind of happened kind of fast for me, actually, yeah. I say within like 18 months. And it happened. I'm a like, naturally, I'm a very I'm, pr- I'm a pretty like kind of standoffish shy to myself type of a person. So and one thing that definitely I, I feel like it'll probably I'll always have this with me for the rest of my life, but I'm very, I'm a I'm a server, you know what I mean? Mm-hmm. So I'm always I'm, I'm always prepared to be number two. Mm. And I, I don't want that to be like, sound depressing or anything, but it's, I'm, I'm just a server. That's what I do. You're here to serve. Yeah. I'm Mm -hmm. so comfortable being number two. I think it's an honor. It's a privilege to, you know, you know, clear someone else's pathway so they can walk that much smoother. I I love that. But the downfall of that is I often think that I don't know anything. Mm. Like I'll be like, well, if I'm number two, then I couldn't, I couldn't possibly know that. So what started as me just practicing, it didn't translate into, well, I want to be a teacher for a while because I kept thinking, well, I don't know. I don't know how to do this, really. Mm. I, I don't really know how to do this. Like, let me just assist someone else doing it. I don't really know how to do it. And every day that's a battle for me. But yeah. finally, when I got through that, I guess, and it really just, it was from enough people saying, well, can you teach me? And I was finally like, okay, well, if enough people are asking, then maybe I do know something, you know? Yeah, right. <laughs> so that's how I ultimately became a teacher. But even still me leaving home and then transitioning to New York, I mean, that was a huge leap. But I think, the thing that was on the forefront of my mind is if I can connect with 30 people, then I'll be okay. You know, Mm. ultimately I've connected with more than 30, but I was like, if I can connect with 30 people, then I know that I'll be fine. And yeah. So it kind of just went from there. Yeah. I just went from there. And I, I really like, I have to, and this is an everyday battle. I have to remember to take things baby steps at a time and day by day, because I will get so overwhelmed with the littlest things yeah like these the small the smallest email I'll have just the whole just oh my god I need to just go to the spa (laughs) (laughs) you know but yeah I mean it's been a battle being an entrepreneur being a person that so being an entrepreneur being in the forefront being a person that loves to be number two right but then when I'm number one I have to make sure people treat me like I'm number one and it's it's like it is the it's the craziest internal battle, you know, yeah. finding that confidence and that balance. Yeah. Is... And yeah, finding that balance, finding that confidence, learning how to say no, mm-hmm. learning how to say, I mean, 
learning how to, you know, just put my foot down, learning how to, you know, this is not for me. That is for me. Mm -hmm. I'll do it, but I won't do it like that. Learning how to put my foot down when people bring ideas to the table. Like I have in my mind, I have this illustration, like, you know, you go to this meeting and there's this big old table and the other, you know, person in this meeting has 15 people there. And then it's just you. And oftentimes we'll feel like, you know, that, or oftentimes I feel like that other, whoever is on the other end of that conversation is so much bigger than me Mm. that I have to, I have to succumb to whatever it is. I have to compromise. I have to, you know, because I feel like they're so much bigger. Like how could my little, how could my little Rachel self, you know, make an impact in this big old project, which is a forever battle, but oh my gosh, finding that confidence as an entrepreneur is a struggle but it's an encouraging struggle because right. every time you do it and you honor yourself, it's like, oh, yes, girl, gold star. Okay, right. We can do it again, you know? Right. So being someone who is a giver, who is a server, who is someone yeah. who literally puts other people before themselves, which is which is great. You know, I'm 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 big on that, but I'm also big on self-care. Right. So yeah. how have you learned to pour into yourself first so that you can fill other people up, specifically your students? Because. What is so unique about you is there's not a lot of black women doing what you're doing. There's not a lot of black women in the yoga space in general. And there's not a lot of women of color who are shifting this narrative of, you know, I'm in this space. I look different. My body may be different, but I'm in this space and I'm going to take up this space, you know? So Mm -hmm. how have you been able to, kind of just come to fruition with that, um, with, with your self-care so that you can feed into your students and give them the best that you can. Because at the end of the day, if you're empty, you can't fill your students. So how yeah. are you, how are you balancing that, 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 that um, comfortable, the comfortability of like being number two, when, when you're teaching, you have to be number one, you have to be the leader. Mm-hmm. Um, honestly, I don't, I don't even know if I know how to put into words how I find that balance, but I know I do find it. It definitely happens. Um, it, a a lot of it comes from, a lot of it comes from honestly writing my own. So the things that I want to just, you know, call up a friend and talk to about, I've adopted getting my journal and just writing it down. So a lot, it looks really crazy because it looks like I'm having a conversation with myself, which I really am. But a lot of it is just decompressing. And then every once in a while, I do find a teacher friend that looks just like me and is going through the same things that Mm, I go through. So it's super good to find that connection and be able to just like pour out into someone who has the same content as you, you know what I mean? Right. And just surrounding myself with women that whether they firsthand understand it or are just empathetic, they get it. You know what I mean? Right. Honestly, that's it because, and then once, you know, once I am in the front of the class and I'm teaching, one of the top things I get from people is like, oh my gosh, like, you know, they, they I resonate with them, period. Mm-hmm. And I understand that just recognition is such, I mean, that's, all, that's, all, that's probably more powerful than what I say. The fact that I look like you and I'm standing in front of you. Yeah. No. Because yeah. you can. Because you can just see me and you can see me move. And then if you see me move, then you know, okay, if she can do it, then I can do it. I haven't said a word to you. You know what I mean? Am right. I even answering the question, Alex? No, you are. No, you are. Okay. And, <laughs> I, and I want to talk about that too, because a lot of your students come to class and it's their first yoga class. Like you have, you have been the person to introduce a lot of black women to yoga. 
it doesn't matter if it's in the studio or through online teachings, but you have given people of color this this sense of home, this sense of I'm allowed, this permission, right? So how has that made you feel? Just because it started it started kind of on a whim and then you took a leap on yourself and then you found your passion and now you're teaching hundreds of thousands of people. So how how does that make you feel and what is some of the things that are told to you by your your students that really kind of resonate and keep you going? Oh my gosh, it's uh, it's it's totally an honor. I don't know every I don't know. I don't know how to feel about it. It's like crazy to me, but it's it's such an honor every time that I can introduce someone to the practice and then they especially when they circle back around months later and they're like, "Oh my gosh, like I came to your class and it was so amazing for this reason, that reason, especially when they connect with other other students. It's amazing and it's crazy. And you're right. It, it, I think it's even more like amazingly crazy because like you said, it did kind of, it just happened. It wasn't, I don't say it was unintentional, but it right. wasn't intentional. I didn't make an account to be like, okay, one day I want to do this and then this and then right. travel and do this. I just made an account because I said, okay, I want to track this progress, you know? So it's totally unreal, especially me being a person that was very, I'm very home is behind the scenes. Mm-hmm. So it's, that is super, it's super, super surreal and weird to me, but, um, <laughs> but I'm grateful for it. And I, I understand the, re- the responsibility that I have and I, I try to be as responsible with that as possible. <laughs> That's good. It's super hard, but I, I do, but it is, it's super hard because I understand, you know, social media. And then just when you introduce someone to something that positively impacts their life, you become, you become someone totally different to them. You know, mm, you're not just yeah. a person. Yeah, I want to talk about that. totally else. Yeah. So balancing that has been, that is, and I, I don't, I hope one day it, it doesn't, be, it's not as big of a struggle, but right now it's a super struggle because people really reach re- out to me really, really hard. Mm-hmm. And, I, and I oftentimes don't know what to give them in return. I'm like, I don't, you know, I don't know how to respond. I don't know what to say. Sometimes stuff that they, um, you know, put on my table is just way too much um, for me to handle. And I'm still, I feel like I'm still finding a healthy way to set boundaries between me and, you know, the social world. I'm, yeah, I'm still figuring that one out. Cause right now the boundary is I'm just not going to talk to you. And I understand <laughs> that that hurts people's feelings. Yes. So I do <laughs> want to go, I do want to go a different route, but yeah, I got to find something that works for the both of us for, you know, for both parties that, that keeps me happy and sane and keeps them, you know, feel like they satisfied and they've gotten what they needed, whether it's through me or someone else. But right. yeah. Right. And I mean, and, and that's important too. Like that's, yeah. that's extremely important. I, I can relate to you saying that, you know, People reach out to me all the time with these very heavy topics just off the strength that I have impacted or inspired or influenced their life in some way. And while it's a it's an extreme honor, it can be very difficult to maneuver because I'm not a therapist. I'm not a licensed counselor. I'm not a life coach. You know, I'm a woman sharing my story in hopes that it does touch other people. But there also has to be this boundary where I can't be your therapist. So with that being said, you know, I've learned the language to send people to those who can help. You know, I, mm-hmm. I can't necessarily help you with this, but I have a great therapist in the D.C. area who can lead you in the right direction or whatever, because that's important, too. I think that has a lot to do with self-care, but it also has a yeah. lot to do with protecting the community as well. Mm-hmm. Social media can be very strange in the sense where mm-hmm. 
everybody is like an expert in something. And that can Mm -hmm. be very dangerous, specifically when you do not have the credentials to be an expert, specifically Mm -hmm. in mental health. And it can be it can just be troubling. So I'm really glad that you're you're navigating that space, but also trying to figure out a way to engage with your community in that way. So when it comes to entrepreneurship, we've talked about this, you know, off air Mm -hmm. and just in our girlfriend conversations, but naming your worth and sticking with that. We've had the conversation that (laughs) (laughs) a lot of people Uh, will reach out and want free services. They'll want favors. They'll want that. There's all this hidden agenda as far as working with you. I know that that is something that can be really frustrating. And I wanted to know how you navigate that space or how you're learning to navigate that space because it's hard. Yeah, it's it's that is oh my god that this honestly might be the hardest thing when it comes to business negotiations. It's right. super super daunting, super hard to have that. I don't I really don't like having that conversation. And so what I had to do was I you know I started enlisting close friends that work well in that same managerial type of a space to speak on my behalf. Um, it was super hard because first you have to have the conversation with your friend like okay look. Because you're my friend, I want you to act like this person in my life. But while you're being this person, I don't want you to be my friend. Like, this is business. <laughs> right. So that, that, is, that is super hard. But it works for me. And so now when I have, like, I don't have a full-time, you know, round-the-clock manager. But I do have managers, if right. that makes any sense. No, it does. So, for yeah, for deals, I will, I'll just forward it off and I let them discuss. Mm. And it's easier for me to talk to someone that knows me. and can, First of all, the fact that they know and care about me half the stuff that happened in that conversation, they probably don't even report it back to me, which I'm so thankful for. Right. But yeah, they're, I mean, they're totally, they're gatekeepers for me. They totally 100% protect me, but even still, there's still stuff to learn. Like every time I sign any contracts, I do any kind of deal. I'm like, okay, that was great for these reasons, but there's always like 30 other reasons. I'm like, cool. Never going to do that again. Never going to do that again. Going to make sure I look for that in the contract. Right. So it's just, it's just a forever learning process. Every project I do, I just try to come out with learning something. Yeah. It is super hard, especially when it comes to the, when it comes to the actual money, because you know, when you let your brain think like, wow, this company this person is reaching out to me because they know I have this influence but they're trying to give me crumbs like right. and I was I yeah and I, it, I it's so crazy respect me right like it, you said in the email right right it's so crazy and I'm glad that you brought that up because you being a person who often sees yourself as number two specifically because you're you're a giver how have you maneuvered through that and not been like okay well my fee is x amount but this company is offering me X amount and free clothes because that's supposed to pay my rent. No. Like how, (laughs) how have you been able to say, you know, no, this is my fee and, or have your, have your managers or handlers say, no, this is her fee. And we're unable to be flexible on X, Y, and Z. Has that been hard? Because it's easy to be like, well, this big, huge company is reaching out to me. And it's almost like, these companies feel like they're doing you a favor, you know? Yes. Um, yeah. For the most part, my managers will send the bounce back email, but the only time that email has ever been hard for me or them to send is when the person is very just blatantly disrespectful. Every once in a while, we'll have someone reach out to me to do something, um, collab on something. And 
they they don't have they don't have the budget they don't have the funds they might not have any almost anything that I'm asking for right but it's the approach Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. that that's more important than anything if you don't have the budget then that really should be the first thing that you say yeah and then you know what I mean there's ways to go about things and when people don't go about and like people who don't have budgets you know you don't and you know better than (laughs) to ask for things the way that you do right and that's why I really don't care when I you know have to hit them back with the you know no no thanks nope no just no you know however I say it but the people that do reach out that don't have budgets, I've I've rarely said no to people that re, you know with the really heartfelt emails. Right. Um, and with, because and with brands, I'm sure that you connect with. Like exactly, it's it's all about the vibe. It's all about the connectivity. Um, because it's not always about the money. If right. I'm working, then yes, I need compensation. Right. But compensation isn't always monetary. Right. Sometimes it's the connection. Sometimes it's maybe it's what you have is much more valuable than money. Yeah. And I, I just really appreciate people who come, who come correct. Oh my gosh, they're so rare. And I really cherish them. Actually, every person that has ever reached out to me and came that, you know, that amazing angle, like, Hey, I don't have, or whether they have it or not, but they came at me with that really respectful angle and attitude. We've, you know, maintained some sort of relationship, but what you were saying was how does like me feeling like, I'm Rachel. I belong behind the curtain. Number two, that's my spot. I hold it down. How that helps me in this sense, it helps and hurts me. But how it helps me is since I know how to be number two, I know how to serve. I know how to treat people. Yeah. You know, like they are made of diamonds and rubies. Mm -hmm. And so when I'm in that number one position and you're not doing that for me, First, I had to take a like a self-reflection. I'm like, okay, is this person that much different than me? Mm-hmm. No, they're mm-hmm. not. You don't want to. So then I have to, you know, be hard and, you know, strangle myself and say, Rachel, like, no, you deserve better. It doesn't matter that, you know, savings is depleting. You deserve better. And if they can't come correct, they don't deserve you. Mm-hmm. And you're worth more than whatever this check they were going to give you doesn't matter. Yeah. You got, you have everything that you need. You know what I mean? That's that ma- the mantra that I freaking love so much. So keeping like your integrity you and your dignity. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Keeping my integrity, keeping my, my dignity. And yeah, and I get to go to sleep at night feeling good and not feeling like, oh my God, I just got played, even though mm. I have gotten played. You know, it, it, it wasn't on purpose. Right. No, of course. Myself, you know? Of course. But we learn yeah. lessons from our experiences. Yeah, exactly. Knowing how to serve has been, it's definitely, it's, it's, it's not a burden at all. It's totally a bonus because when I see people who know how to, first of all, I automatically recognize them. The yeah. people who don't cry when thank you is not said to them. You know what I mean? Those kind of people who can just move and go get the job done. They don't care about who likes what and who didn't get tagged and what they just do. They just do it and get it done. And it's, you know, and then at the end of the day, we can kick up our feet and laugh. Those type of people are super rare. And um, yeah, <laughs> I don't know what I was going with that, but yeah. No, I mean, I think that's, I really think that's good that you mentioned that because I feel as though a lot of entrepreneurs, specifically small businesses and new entrepreneurs are like, I have to take everything that's handed to me. And you don't like you're allowed to be selective. You're allowed to be flexible and you're allowed to figure out what works for you and what doesn't and what is for you and what's not. Are you eating gummies still? (laughs) I want to keep that in because it was just the (laughs) rest. 
Herbal Essences believes in plant-based beauty. Their potent aloe collections are sulfate-free and paraben-free and instead infused with real botanicals with the indulgent scents you know and love. They are on a mission to bring the positive power of plants to keep hair beautiful and healthy with products you'll love using. We all know that winter can leave our curls feeling super dry. Herbal Essences' potent aloe and mango shampoo, conditioner, and curl cream work together to hydrate for moisturized, defined, and long-lasting curls. Herbal Essences Sustainably Harvest Potent Aloe is uniquely certified by the plant experts at the Royal Botanic Gardens Q, and it provides extra moisture for your hair. These products are not only free from sulfates, parabens, and dyes, and certified PETA cruelty-free, but they are also full of naturally derived ingredients for healthier, moisturized hair. Sound intriguing? Look for the Herbal Essences Potent Aloe Collections Green Bottle at food, drugstores, or mass retailers near you, or you can visit herbalessences.com to learn more. It's so important that people are hearing this conversation and hopefully being like, you know what, I can relate to that. And yeah, I'm a new business or I want to be an entrepreneur and I don't have to settle for every check, every penny, every opportunity that's sent my way because I feel like the beauty in entrepreneurship is that you're able to make your own and make your own can, yeah. can look and feel and taste differently for everybody. But ultimately, a lot of people are leaving their careers, their jobs, their, their, you know, their traditional way of earning income because they're unhappy. So why would yeah. you step into entrepreneurship with to be unhappy, to be unhappy <laughs> and to settle? I feel like entrepreneurship bridges that gap uh, of settling. Like you don't have to settle. Find your boundaries and your balance and and work through that and, and figure out what works best for you because mm-hmm. happiness matters. And I know for me, when I was working in my nine to five and I've shared this on, on the podcast before, like I was called a low budget employee, like two weeks before I quit, I oh was gosh, called yeah. a low budget employee before asking to stay and get a raise. I was miserable. My daughter had just started kindergarten. I was missing bedtime, bath time, homework time, bus time. Just I was missing life because I was chasing a check and I was not happy or fulfilled. And I had a best-selling book out at the time. Words from a Wanderer was out and flourishing. And Mm -hmm. it was up to me to be like, are you going to keep doing both or are you going to pick one? And Mm -hmm. not because doing both is a bad thing, but for me, doing both wasn't working. I was sacrificing Mm -hmm. my family life for something that just was not fulfilling and working for people who did not appreciate me. So, so with that being said, after I quit, I, it was so funny. Ryan and I were dating long distance at the time. I called him. I said, I quit my job. I called my mom. She worked on L street in DC. I worked on M. We were a block away. I called her. (laughs) I told her I quit my job. And the next week, I think it was Ohio state university. They booked me to come talk. Um, and it was just like, I had to take control of my life and my joy and my happiness. And I stepped into that position. Like I'm, I write books, I write words, I'm a creator. That is what I need to be doing. And either I'm going to suck at it, which I don't think I would suck at it, but I could, you know, I'm Mm -hmm. either going to fail or I'm going to fly. And I tell people that all the time, you have to choose what you want to do. Entrepreneurship is not just something that comes easy. It took me five years to quit my job Mm -hmm. and it took me five years to find my voice. So with all of that being said, you know, it's it's a path that is 
super intense, but it can be extremely rewarding if you're not only in touch with the business side of things, but the personal side of things. So anyway, with all of that said, you transitioned. I want to circle back a little bit because you moved from California to New York, like just randomly. You just up and left. You were like, I'm going to New York. And I was like, what are you talking about? I remember calling you or texting you and be like, when are you going back to California? And you were like, I'm not. And yeah, I was serious. I I, was serious. Clearly, because you're still there. So (laughs) like, what was that about? Like, why did you decide to just be like, I'm going to fly or fail at this, but I'm not going to not try to do it. So in my mind, I I think I have like, my brain is like a hummingbird. I think of 7 trillion thoughts per second. And before I moved, I kept thinking, Rachel, when you turn, if you know, God willing, you live till you're 50, whatever, 60, 70, 80 years old. When you turn that age and you look back to when did I leave? I was 23, I think. Yeah. And you or no, 24. And you look back to when you were 24 years old, would you be proud of yourself or mad that you didn't try just a little bit harder? Mm. And I was like, you know, and I find, you know, going back and forth in my head months about this, maybe like three or four months. Because I, um, the August before I moved, I visited New York. So six months later, I, I, I moved. So for three months, I was like, ah. But for the last three months, I was like, girl, like you need to make a decision. And it was, and I was on that three month timetable because I had booked a gig in Miami. And so I was already going to leave. And in my mind, I was like, if I'm going to leave, when I leave Miami, I'm flying to New York and I'm not coming home. Yeah. <laughs> and that's exactly what I did. Yeah. And it was it was just amazing because the the night I left, it was so magical. Like me and my dad got in this huge argument and he was just like, you need to figure out what you're doing because mind you at the time I'm quitting, getting jobs, quitting jobs in school, out of school, just yeah. cannot figure out what I'm going to do. So he's frustrated out of this world with me. So he's like, well, what do you need to figure out what you're going to do? Like, are you, are you going to do yoga? Like, are you going to go to school? Are you going to work? Like, what are you going to do? And I was just like, I just want to teach. Like, and I was, I was trying to, and I still feel like I don't have the words, but I was trying to tell him, like, I know that this is going to lead me to the other doors of things that I want to do. Right. I didn't know how to say that. And right. so I was just like, I need you to just give me time. That's all I, you know, could say. And he was just like, girl, I didn't give you time. <laughs> but, um, right. so that night, my friend, uh, Marissa, oh, I love her so much. My friend, Marissa, she came actually that morning, she came to me like four, four o'clock in the morning to take me to the airport to leave for Miami. Mm-hmm. And on our way to the airport, she was actually the first person I told on my way there. She was asking me like, when do I pick you up? And I was like, you know what, girl, I'm not going to come back. She was so, she was so encouraged. Like, I thought she was going to be like, for real? Like, what? Right. But she was like, it's about time. Oh, good. And I was like, oh, my gosh. And she was just like, yep, like, if you need me, like, I don't have no money either. But let me know if you don't have no money. We can both <laughs> figure out how to get you some money. <laughs> um, she was just so encouraging. And so just, it was just, so, it was just the most amazing, magical morning. Got on that airplane, you know, went to Miami, left Miami, went to New York. Um, And, you know, and here we are today. But that that transition right there, like me and my dad arguing was, was like, was the final moment where I had to make a decision because he was like, if you leave, like, don't come back. Like it was super dramatic. Mm -hmm. And I knew in that moment I was like, okay, I got to make a decision. Cause right now he's saying, if you leave, don't come back. But if, if you don't leave, you, you'll be, you can stay and be comfortable here, but if you leave, don't come back and mm. it'll just be hard. Mm. I mean, my dad loves me, so I could always go back, but right. you know what I mean? Right. Um, I mean, in the moment it's intense. Yeah. 
Yeah, but in the moment, it was very intense. And so I was like, well, you know what? I'm going to leave and I'm not going to come back. I didn't say that in my head. Right. <laughs> and so I did just that. And, and, you know, I mean, and that wasn't, you know, I thought, woo, the battle's over. Not even kind of. Right. I right. got to New York and then, you know, it was like, okay, I'm here. Now what? But okay, I said I wanted to come and teach, but I have no job. I don't have a studio here. I don't know anyone here. Like, I think I knew or was acquainted with, with like one or two teachers. And then I had my two friends that I lived with, you know, they're, they're not teachers, so they had their own lives. Yeah. So it was a battle. I mean, it was a journey. I feel like that was like day one when I landed. And I remember I took a picture and I posted on Instagram because I was like, look, Rachel, you're scared right now. But I know if you can make it through this, you'll look back on this picture and be super hype. Mm -hmm. And so I took this picture and I was like, home. And that was my caption. I was just like, home. Mm. Because I felt like that account, me putting it out there would hold me accountable to make a home where I was. And you have. Uh, yeah, and I have. I have. I made a home. It's It's been it's been amazing. It, there, I mean, there's so, so many magical moments have happened while I'm here. And I do not... I am so proud of my 24 year old self for getting on that airplane. Yeah. So proud of her. Yeah. Cause she is, she, she, she took a risk and yeah. I'm so proud of you just as your friend, because it's been amazing to see not only your personal growth, but your growth as a teacher. Um, your story has evolved. Your, your confidence has bloomed. It's just been extremely wonderful to watch you become who you are today and I know it's only going to get better with time so with all of that being said I I want to wrap up with three self-care tips that you can give to our listeners three self-care they have tips. to be good this is the season finale okay so oh it gosh. has to be okay. good <laughs> I think number one is going to be my favorite one y'all not ready number one it does not have to cost you a dime right thank you Amen. You do not have to spend no money. Right. You don't have to spend no money. Number two. Oh my gosh. Why'd you put me on the spot? Self-care does not, does not have to be conventional. If that's, I hope that's the right, if yeah. I hope I'm using the right word. Yeah. Your self-care doesn't have to be face masks and um, yoga. It can be driving for hours. It can be, it can be anything. It's whatever it is that makes you you. I feel like that's really what self-care is. It's finding that real authentic you and feeding her or mm. him, you know, that mm -hmm. little, that little person that's like, no, this is the real, real me. I think that's what self-care is. And then number three, oh my gosh, no, one of my favorites is to literally, I go, I find garden, like nooks, little chairs and stuff. And I go and I read my book. That is my favorite thing in the whole wide world right now. <laughs> Snuggling that's up my outside my or inside. By, by myself too. Not within, I don't want company by myself. Nice. And that's outside yeah. or inside? Outside. outside. As soon as I can find a greenhouse, it's on. <laughs> but right now we're outside. <laughs> I love it. I love it. Thank you so much, Rachel. Um, Thank you, oh my gosh. I love I'm you. So happy. I love you too. I can't wait to see you next month. Oh, and speaking of next month, for our DC, Maryland, Virginia folks, Rachel and I, <laughs> yes, are teaching a self care session. In DC, we have tickets available online. If you go to our, if you go to the self care sessions Instagram, you'll find the link to purchase tickets, and they are going fast. You guys are going to have fun. Rachel is leading affirmation based yoga flow for an hour and a half, and yeah. I will be following up with teaching you how to journal and find your voice through writing. So if you're in the area, you need to come out, get your ticket. 
we're we're just we're gonna be so excited to see you and that's this is probably gonna be my last self-care session before i have this baby so come catch and the yoga the, pers- the yoga person. is for all levels so i yes. think you need to know how to like put your toe in your nose it's, <laughs> it's gonna be su- it's gonna be super accessible for any and everybody so that should not even be a question just um i'm so excited yay me too okay well i love you and i'll talk to I you soon bye bye Hey Girl is a member of the District Productive Network, produced by Jamie Benson and me, Alex L. Music provided by DC's own Kokai. Kokai.